You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to the Family Feud Podcast. I'm Keely Yor here alongside Shotgun Spratling for another episode. Shotgun, how are you doing? Game week. It's game, game week, week, folks. <laughs> we didn't plan that, but yes, it's game week. I'm excited. You're excited. Culture Bowl's back. I'm very excited. Finally. Jeez, I'm tired of all this fall camp crap. (laughs) Let's get to the games. Yeah, it actually, it it made me realize like, oh, there's payoff for going to 90 million fall camp practices and standing in really gross heat. Games. More gross heat. Yeah, but it's worth it. It's exciting gross heat. True. (laughs) Ready for the games. Let's go. Uh, Yes. Before we get into it, uh, as always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, uh, where you can find podcasts, audio boom, and that sort of thing. You can also email us at familyfeudpod at gmail.com. Shout out to everyone who has emailed us. We appreciate you guys. Uh, as always, Shotgun, you look like you are going to say something. No, I was just thankful that people emailed us once again, besides the Nigerian princesses that wanted to give us money. It's really intense. Like, I, I've never had an account that gets so much spam. We're, we're quite spammable, apparently. I guess so. Uh, but thanks for people that are sending their questions. Remember, you can send your, your questions for us or also your stock up, stock downs that you have. Yeah, you, uh, can, you can submit the yourself season. into the, the segments we have. And some of you guys have done that. And it's pretty fun to see what you guys have to say. So you never know. You could be in a podcast episode. Indeed. Shall we get into it? Sure. Stock up. Who you got? We'll start with Greg Johnson. Obviously, you know, Greg Johnson, not just uh, working his way up the depth chart, but we found out yesterday, Clancy Pendergast said that he will start on Saturday. He was listed as an or designated starter with uh, Isaiah Langley. They were listed at both of his first team with an or between them. However, you kind of expected Isaiah Langley being the senior to kind of get the the starting on. Not the case. Greg Johnson has surpassed him. And Clancy said it's because he's had a really good uh, spring. You know, he was kind of limited in spring because he's coming back from the shoulder injury and then he was cleared fully to go into fall camp he had a really good fall camp you know asked him as Clancy as Ronnie Bradford what's been the biggest difference for him all three of them said technique you know he's really really worked on his technique um Ronnie Bradford also said he has good body balance. Just like that? Yeah, he really enunciated oh, wow. that. He was really into that one. So uh, I was going to have that hurt on the sidelines, but we're going to keep it in stock Spoiler. up because Greg Johnson, you know, he's really surpassed our expectations, I think, coming into the season because kind of expected, you know, Iman Marshall looked like in the spring he locked down that one side, but it looked like Isaiah Langley kind of taking that next step. And no, Greg Johnson is working his way up. He'll get the start. You'll see both of them play. And the question is going to be who can be more consistent? Consistent. Um, I think that's what they're looking for there is consistency, not making one play and then missing the next. But who can make third down stops was one of the things Ronnie Bradford said. Uh, who can, not just interceptions, not just production in that regard, but tackling, being a willing tackler, which Clancy said was one of the things that Greg Johnson has stood out at, and then making those third down stops and getting the defense off the field, and also you know keeping plays from becoming big plays. And if you have to make a tackle in the flats and it's a first down, make that tackle. Don't let it become a bigger play. Yeah, for me, hearing Clancy talk about why he uh, made what he the, his decisions on the depth chart, it really made me think, okay, this is Greg Johnson's spot. I feel like it's more so his inexperience that didn't outright win him the spot. Um, especially when you mentioned it earlier, he says he's a willing tackler. I think that's really his advantage as far as his 
his power and his his willingness to tackle, which is a Dan loved that that phrase, and it's a good phrase. Um, but yes, Greg Johnson. Yeah, Greg Johnson likes contact. He was a he yep. was a running back in in high school at Hawkins High. He played some safety, some cornerback. Ryan Bradford actually pointed out he's like he didn't you know they didn't play him too much on defense. You know he was more of an offensive weapon for Hawkins. So you know sometimes they reserved him on defense and didn't use him as much. He said you know that's part of the thing. One of the reasons why his technique has kind of grown so much is because he didn't play a ton of defense in high school uh, because he was so important to that team on offense. So but now you know he's been fully committed to the cornerback position and he's really uh, taking some strides and it looks like he'll start on uh, Saturday. I have an obvious choice for stock up. Something that developed in between our podcast, JT Daniels is the starting quarterback for USC. Haven't heard of him. Is- hey, who's that? Yeah, who's that guy? Yeah, JT gets wins the uh, starting job, and obviously, uh, big news on Sunday. This is the second time that USC has had a uh, had a quarterback decision, and I've kind of been thrown like, "Hey, can you write something real quick?" Because Chris Trevino <laughs> was up in Yosemite, um, you know, hiking Half Dome, went on a nearly twenty four hour hike for him, so he was out of pocket for that. He actually had something prepared in case JT Daniels was going to be named the quarterback because we expected that. And unfortunately, we couldn't get it because he was off the grid, basically. So I was on the way back from Santa Monica and wrote something in like 17 minutes. I was really proud it was of myself. impressive. Yeah, I felt like the call coordinator because I was calling Chris. I was calling you. I was like, <laughs> what's happening? Nothing's up. And so it was an interesting charades that we played. And a little like the last time that USC made a decision, the Max Brown, Ryan found out earlier than we expected. Um, so he's like, hey, can you write something real quick? Because he was out somewhere when he found out. I was at a museum, at a museum exhibit, and had brought my computer just in case. And I was like, okay, I'm going to sit over here, the people I was with <laughs> at the museum. I was like, I'm just going to sit on this bench and enjoy this uh, this art over here for uh, 20 or 30 minutes real quick. That's the funny thing if we're going to peek behind the curtain. is like Joey Kaufman asked Helton on Thursday, like, hey, do you have do you know, have an estimate of when you're going to make the decision? And and uh, Helton was like, no, not really. And Joey kind of said, well, I'm trying to plan my Sunday too. You know, it's like we also, <laughs> I mean, I was anxious the whole time i was i was with my friends and they were just like are you okay and like it doesn't matter to me it was just like i know that eventually at some point i'm gonna have to be on and i don't know when and so i brought my backpack everywhere i went and they're like what are you doing the depth chart was gonna come out and and for us for me it was the last weekend basically that you have free for yes until december so i mean i have some stretch i think i have i think i have three days off or four days off from the beginning of August until the end of November. One of those is Thanksgiving. Yeah, you're a workaholic. It's been established. One of those is Thanksgiving, so I'll get that day off. But, you know, so I was trying to take advantage. I had to work in the mornings both of those days, but I went Saturday night, went to the, the see the Philharmonic at the Hollywood Bowl. You know, I was like, oh, it's going to be a great weekend. And I was like, wait, Chris has already wrote something that, right? right? Okay, I'll write something. <laughs> yeah, you, you. when I called you, you, said, you were like, okay. Um, but moving back to football versus us complaining about our jobs that we love. I'm not complaining about it. <laughs> complaining but some may interpret it that way it's not that way it's just part of the job some guy named jt daniels he won the job you know he one did. of the biggest things that the the brian ellis said this week was the decision making was part of the reason uh you know he, he makes those quick decisions he's ready to go now we'll see how it goes and i'm curious to see the leash i assume that you know they're not going to be quick to pull him or anything but if he throws three interceptions in one game and three interceptions in the next game it's all of a sudden he goes from savior to sitting on the bench uh we'll see I don't think that's going to happen because I think he's you know much more advanced than that. But you know we'll see how, what the leash is there and how they kind of use him, how they 
you know, how they morph the uh, the play calls and stuff to, to benefit him and fit his style. We'll see all that on Saturday. I was a little curious in the very beginning because if you read the verbiage of what Helton wrote, he said Clay, uh, JT Daniels will be our starter for the UNLV game. He didn't say for the season. And so that may, I, and like obviously that might not, I might be reading into it a little bit. I, I asked around a little bit and there was a sense that it's a permanent JT Daniels, but I do wonder the leash if it's, if it goes somehow, God forbid, horribly for JT Daniels. How is it a quick pull? I don't know. And Max Brown was the starter for what, three games. So yeah, ish. No, so we'll see. I mean, it yeah, all depends. we're going down the, the wrong road. The coaches, right now. <laughs> the coaches always say that it's week to week decision. Every you know, every depth chart is week to week based on how you practice, how you play, all that type of stuff. So we'll see. Um, I thought really interesting that Brian Ellis said that they basically have a plan for everything in this game. I thought that was interesting. So he said there's a plan for him rolling, being JT Daniels. There's a plan for us sputtering. There's a plan for things not going well. There's a plan for things going really well. Everything's planned out. Everything will have it scripted, and hopefully it goes well. But if not, we're going to be ready. So they have a plan. Like So if, if JT gets rolling, they've got a plan for that. They'll call certain plays. But if not, they have a plan to, I, I would think, run the ball against UNLV because uh, that run defense, not great. Well, that's my question is how much do you show what JT Daniels can do? If if I'm the coaches, I want to keep it as vanilla as possible. It's kind of like when you bring up a guy from the, the minors. Guys, they tend to have more success because people don't have a lot of tape on them. Why put a lot of tape out there what JT can do? I think that you don't want to put too much tape of of – well, it's it's not just what he can do. You want to see what he can do in a game situation. So you have to see if he can make certain throws for your own benefit to where you can call those in the Stanford game or the Texas game. Yeah. So you might have some – you don't call the all the plays that you have, obviously. You might save some stuff, but you might want to see a certain throw here or there to determine whether you think he can make that in a game situation. Now, do you trust just what you've seen in practice and say, okay, well, we can save that corner route – because he can get there before the safety or whatever it may be in that regard. Uh, but I think that you have to see those in a game situation first. So I think they'll they'll put some things out there. So I think more than just, oh, we'll we'll throw some bubble screens and some little short stuff because that'll get him, you know, in the in the flow of being a college quarterback. I think you have to test him a little bit to see where you're at as you go into those next that next portion of the schedule that's really tough. I think you have to thread the needle to where you work up his confidence. You let him get used to the pace, but you don't show too much. And how you do, how you throw that needle, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, and I asked Brian Ellis. I said, "Would you guys need to limit him? You know, we limit limit the playbook or anything for him?" He said, "Yeah, I don't think we're gonna have to do that." So, uh, like I said, he said that they will change things if necessary. But he said that there are some things that they won't do. But he said that as far as limiting stuff, I think that. He said as far as you just kind of feel the game as it goes, and he said didn't think that he would have to do that. Interesting. Who else you got for stock up? Stock up. I got Porter Gustin. Mm, yep, that's a good one. Porter Gustin back on the field the uh, last two days, full participants. Uh, well, not a full participant. Like ninety percent participant, I would yeah, say. Yeah. Not they didn't, you know, he wasn't on the first string defense for every team period or anything like that. But he's going full full bore. He was doing one on ones, everything else. And he came back from Tuesday's practice and practiced again on Wednesday. I thought that was a huge step yep. because that was something that last year they threw him in for the games, 
and then his knee didn't respond, uh, or not his knee, his, uh, foot. his foot didn't respond to it. Uh, now you saw that his knee this year, the meniscus, okay, how is he going to respond after a full day of activity? Oh, he looks fine. That's when you know, okay, he's healthy, he's ready to go. I think he'll play on Saturday. For sure he'll start on Saturday. The question is how much do you play him? How much do you need to play him? You know, do you put him on the proverbial pitch count? Do you do you do that? We'll see. And if they do do that, do they stick to it? Unlike last year at ASU, I feel like this is one of your biggest pet peeves. Oh, I can't can't stand it. It's like if you take Clayton Kershaw is coming off his back injury, we're gonna throw him sixty pitches, and then all of a sudden he throws a hundred and eighteen. Like why is he? Why are you giving him a full workload when he just came off the DL? Like that's not yes. what you do. It's it's illogical for sure. I mean, Clancy Pendergast joked how they're gonna have to assign a student man, uh, equipment manager to hide Port Augustine's helmet just to make sure he doesn't get in there. If that's what it takes, then do it. Or what you could do is just score a lot of points early, and then you don't need him anyways. <laughs> that too. That too. Yeah, but uh, definitely a good sign. It seems like from what Port Augustine's have ha- has said that he's learned from last year that he won't try and push it. He said he could have come back last week, but he didn't want to push it. He still went slower and tried to do movements with Ivan Lewis, and that's what we saw last week on the field. Um, So positive news for Port Augustine. That also flows into my my last stock up is health. Mm. Yesterday they had they had eleven guys out, but they did get Marquis Step and Jacob Lichtenstein returning. But that's the least amount of guys they've had out since August eighth, which is like the fourth practice. I want to say fourth or fifth practice, which is what you want leading up into the first game. You didn't let any of those injuries linger. Uh, you know they've had thirty four percent of the roster has missed a practice or been limited. That includes walk-ons, everything. 34% of the roster has missed at least one practice or at least portions of the practice, not been able to finish the practice. So that's a, it's a huge number. To have only 11 guys and you, know, you have one very big concern in the middle of your offensive line, which is going to be we'll talked about a little bit later. That, yes. But uh, besides that, I think you, you feel really comfortable with where the health is going into this game, which is good news. That will actually resurface in our agree disagree portion, and I think okay. we might might get a little a little heated in that <laughs> in that regard. The my final stock up is Isaiah Polamau. Actually, um, surprisingly, based off of what Clancy Pendergast talked about in his presser yesterday, he said that Isaiah. Uh, was pretty impressive battling for that safety position, but Isaiah's also doubling up and he's backing up the corner position. Um, so I, I, because he was only mentioning someone asked him why Bubba. And then he started talking about Isaiah. And then he was like, Isaiah will also be doubling up at the corner position. And I was like, Isaiah is a corner. And then I was like, oh, Paul Mao. But it was just, it was a lot of Isaiah talk. But I think it's interesting that that's happening. And he said that Isaiah has uh, made huge strides this fall camp. Uh, he will see the field a lot, which um, for Clancy to say that, as he likes his guys and he trusts them, and you have to kind of work your way to break in through that that trust circle, I think that's a pretty positive sign for Isaiah Paul Mao. I think it's also saying something about Bubba Bolden. Uh, you know, Bubba Bolden obviously has taken all the first team reps last week when we talked to Clancy, and Clancy said, "Eh, you know, he's still in the mix. You know, he he's leading right now. We'll see. He wasn't ready to just give him the job, and then also yesterday wasn't ready to fully give him the job." I was surprised by it when when someone asked him, "Well, what did Bubba do to win the job?" He a little he stumbled a little bit on his answer, and it wasn't this glowing praise of Bubba Holden. Obviously, he said that Bubba had good uh, communication and chemistry with Marvell and Fall Camp, but it wasn't like. He's our guy, as much as we saw with Greg Johnson as he gave him a vote of confidence. Yeah, so I think that Bubba still has some stuff to do to kind of 
lock up that that spot. And I think you'll see some rotation there. It's maybe similar to what they did with Marvell Tell and Chris Hawkins when they were opposite of Leon McQuay a few years ago where they rotated those guys in on different series. So I think we'll see both of those guys. And what you do in the game obviously matters more than what you do in practice. So when the lights are on, when the refs are out there throwing flags and everything else, what do you do? Uh, how do you perform? So we'll see what those guys do in the game. And then I think that will determine who gets more playing time the next couple of games, too. Uh, speaking of which, I'm going to make a quick question time. Is there any concern there for question time? <laughs> is there any concern there for you have an ex- inexperienced corner? You have inexperienced safety on that side. Uh, is there any concern there with with that might cause hiccups going forward? Yeah, it, it could, but I think that's just the way things play out. You know, if you lose more guys on defense in a year, then you're gonna have. You know, there's obviously gonna be certain areas where teams can attack. Now, maybe that's the thing is teams to try to attack that. UNLV tries to attack that side, and you find out a lot about those guys. Um, and if you need to, you can flip the safeties. You can do some different things if you need to change up your defense in order to to kind of protect those guys a little bit. Yeah, but I like you said, I don't think there's anything they can necessarily do about it because they're stuck with who they have at this point. Well, you can do different things as far as flipping the safeties if you really wanted to, but I think that they're confident enough in those guys to be able to to be able to play and you know not have to move anything around early. But then they find out in that first game, and you'll see whether or not they have to do that for for the opponents they have coming up after UNLV. All right, well, let's move to stock down. Who do you got on the stock of down? Obviously, you start with Toa Lobendon. He's yep, had the health issues. You know, we, we mentioned it without saying it, uh, but you know. Definitely a concern there. You, you have a, a redshirt senior that should be able to control things at the line of scrimmage, should be able to help out your your true freshman quarterback and you know make calls for you. Or do you? Dun, dun, dun. So he left practice on Tuesday. You know, he did a little bit of teamwork early in practice, but then was pulled. Um, and then he didn't practice yesterday. He didn't practice last Thursday. You know how big is that concern? You know, can they get him back? You know, he's got a pectoral injury, which is always tough as an offensive lineman because you know guys are trying to get by you. They're pulling on that, especially Those, if you're snapping the ball. Yeah, that too. So you know, I think there's some question marks there, and obviously you want him back for those the Stanford and Texas game um, coming up after it. So how much can you? How much are you worried about getting that? You know, a redshirt freshman, Brett Nealon, would be the backup, getting him in there in the first game versus trying to save Toa a little bit, make sure he's healthy for that Stanford and Texas game. This is an area where I'm very skeptical um, in the sense of how much Clay is really saying how bad it is. Um, just because I know I've said this pretty much on Instant and on Facebook Live. Sorry if you already heard this, but the fact that Clay Helton told us last Thursday after a closed practice that Tolo Bendon didn't uh, practice and that, oh, right, he's had a pec injury since summer. What? Okay. Didn't know that. And then come Monday, he doesn't finish, or come Tuesday, he doesn't finish. And then Wednesday, he doesn't practice, practice at all. It felt like Clay was putting breadcrumbs on. Thursday of hey this might be an issue and I think I think it might be an issue more than Clay Helton is letting on which is concerning yeah I mean obviously Toa is a huge part of that offense line just because he's the veteran guy he's the leader there Um, so what is your captain able to do when you come to the first game captain oh captain Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I also had uh, Tolo Badon I had Achille Ross Um, I think this is the final appearance on this show for Achille Ross which is unfortunate um he is transferring he will be a graduate transfer in 2019 he's still sticking around uh for fall to finish uh his classes and you brought up a good point earlier is that uh 
if you still have classes to go, why not play this season? Um, we had a question on Twitter that said, could we give a little bit more background? It seems pretty abrupt that suddenly after that practice, he's gone. Well, I mean, Yakili Ross basically won the position coming out of spring camp. And then the second practice, he hurts his hamstring. So he's basically not done any pad work at all leading into last week. He get you know he's trying to get as many reps as he can. Clancy was talking about we want to get him reps, you know, get an op- you know, get him in that mix with Bubba Bolden as Isaiah Polamau um, to try to battle for that position. And then last Wednesday, you know, there's a a little bit of confusion in a drill. He goes uh, and takes a rep when the quarterback's not throwing the ball, so he tries to step back in, and it becomes a, an argument basically uh, because he won't get out of the drill, and Isaiah Polamau's not going to give up the rep. You know, the guys battling what you want to see competition over reps because you know how important those are, but then the coaches tell Achilles Ross to get out of the drill, and he still is not moving. So then he gets an argument with Tyler Vons. They have to be separated. Achilles Ross tries to calm down he walks away from the situation he takes like a long lap around the field even before that uh Iman Marshall tried to get him to come back and he basically cursed out Iman Marshall you know Clay Helton tried to get him to come over and he just continued to walk around he cooled down uh but then he didn't get back in the drills and then we find out the next day he's going to take take the weekend for some personal issues uh to I guess to basically contemplate what he wants to do and then we found out this week that he will no longer be with the team I heard that it's more than just Wednesday. I think it, I heard that it was a tough camp for him and there's personal issues besides just what happened on, on Wednesday. Granted, I don't know the full story, but I don't think it was just, hey, there's a blow up on Wednesday. I'm leaving the team. Um, so to answer a Twitter question, I think it's more than that. Yeah, and you know he's a guy that's, that you know, initially said, hey, when he, when he committed, I plan to be there for three years. So his, his plan going in was, he was going to come in. He's going to be able to start. Uh, you know, he's going to be able to play immediately. He's going to be able to start probably by year two, year three, and be able to show his ability and be gone for the NFL. That was the the whole idea uh, of that comment. And instead, he had to take a red shirt. He's dealt with some injuries. He's moved around positions. They haven't really settled him in one spot. He played some nickel last year, and he played some safety. You know, they liked him at safety this year. And Clancy talked about how he liked his versatility, where they could use him in that nickel. So then you can put that safety down the box more if you need to. And if they spread somebody out, you can take him out there with him. You can do some different things there. But then I think just there's frustration there from not being able to, to get on the field. I mean, last year he felt like he knew the playbook and stuff. And USC, just he was behind guys. He was behind Chris Hawkins, behind Marvell Telly. He wasn't going to beat either one of those guys out. And then the nickel spot, nobody was beating out of Gen A. But when they went dime, he was the guy they used. He used him in some different things, but it was just teams that went with those you know four and five wide packages. So he wasn't getting much time. It felt like he... Probably should have been getting more time. He probably did. So, you know, he probably frustrated from that. And then he has this opportunity. He's, he's with the first team. And then frustration boils up more and more when you see that you're losing these reps and not being able to get on the field. And I guess, you know, it all accumulated uh, or culminated, excuse me, um, with that practice. But obviously there's been more behind the scenes and stuff. And he decided that he does not want to be in the program anymore. Yep. Who else do you got on Stock Down? I got the scout team because we're not seeing those guys as much. That's uh, a creative usage. Nice. So they're doing some scout team work before we even get into practice as the media because we're not allowed to go in until they stretch. So some of the things that they 
uh, were doing previously where it was just running plays. They're now running scout team. They're running scout team. It's just, just less. And then it, previously you would see the scout team basically until the end of practice, maybe one period until the end of practice. Now you're still having those competition periods at the end of practice, which I think is really good to see, and they're still getting that scout team work. Now we'll see next week, I think, where they really are because you can prepare for UNLV, but you also kind of know with the first game you don't know exactly what they're going to run, so you just run some of the stuff they've run before. You can't be prepared for everything because they'll have new stuff. Next week we'll find out when they're actually preparing for Stanford if they do more scout team work or exactly what it is. But less scout team work this week, so stock down for the scout team. (laughs) I had uh, stock down for USC's receiving tight ends. Um, Josh Follow, he's been having that hamstring. I had noted earlier last week that uh, during some, uh, I think, special teams periods or periods where he's not actively involved, a trainer would stretch his hamstring uh, for a while and try and get that sorted out. But it was never something that kept him out of practice. And then I think it finally ended up bugging up on him this week. So that's that's unfortunate for Josh Follow. Also, the long forgotten Daniel Bebe. He, I mean, I will... Because I want to be annoying. I will bring up that both you and Ryan thought that Daniel Waterbaby would start the first game of the season. And I was very skeptical. And I would like to toot my horn about that. <laughs> Are you saying he's not going to play? Because we don't know that for sure. He hasn't been ruled out. I, like I said, I am I will not believe it until I see it. The thing is, Daniel Waterbaby played last year, but he still was not fully healthy. So he played a lot of snaps toward the end of the year, uh, but you know he wasn't the same explosive player. And I think that's part of the thing. They're trying to get him to be back to where he was two years ago. But that tight end position, I mean, the tight end position as a whole, the tight end group, Every all five of those guys have missed time now. Yep. Uh, you know, Tyler Petit had a back injury that kept him out three days. Follow now. This is his second day in a row with a hamstring, or yesterday was. Eric Cromanhook had a hamstring issue. He was out for 10 practices, 10 competitive practices, so that's even a longer period than that. Daniel Morabebe obviously has been limited or out every practice so far this season. And then Austin Appleby, who you know they really like as a walk-on, you know, a guy that could potentially get in there to be a blocker and stuff, he's missed the last nine competitive practices with, with Mono. So you know that group has missed 40 practices already, uh, You know competitive practices. That's not including walkthroughs. That's not including the Thursdays that we're not allowed to be there. So the one practices we see, they've already missed 40. So you, you got to be concerned about that group just being healthy. Now, right now, Eric Crumminhook and Tyler Petit are healthy. That should be plenty enough for a UNLV game, but you want to get, you know, that's one of the strengths of that group is how diverse they are, you know, and they're even listed on the depth chart now in two different positions, you know, tied in in the F spot for a flex tied in. Um, so you want to get those guys healthy and, you know, be able to use them in different ways, which is what is the strength of that group. But right now, some concerns. Yep, indeed. Do you got anyone else for Stockdown? I got Coliseum Confusion. Ooh. Now, cool. I know USC is trying really hard to to basically post what they you know where you should park, where you should do this, but I know there's going to be a lot of confusion for this game, so we want to give another shout-out to everyone. Make sure if you're going to the game on Saturday, get there early. Get there at least an hour before you were planning to go. Wake up, you know, come to tailgate and, and get you some mimosas or whatever in the morning and get ready to go rather than sitting at home getting that extra hour of sleep, whatever it is. Just because you know there's going to be a ton of traffic around the Coliseum, if you do not have a specific parking pass for the Coliseum, you cannot park there. And you have to park on campus, and Keely said there's only certain lots that are pay lots, so make sure you look at the the, the uh, map that she tweeted out uh, early, yesterday or today. No, it was definitely like two weeks ago. It was, Re- it was she's going to retweet that tour. today. I, yes, 
Sir, boss. <laughs> just going to retweet that today to help you guys out. But make sure you get there early. There's going to be uh, a lot of confusion and stuff with this first game. Your tickets tell you what gate to go in, so know that. It's just a lot of things are going on with this construction. So I, that's stocked down because I know it's, I know it's going to be a big headache for a lot of people. Technically, would the confusion about the Coliseum be up? Stock up? <laughs> True. A lot of confusion. Yes. Um, that's it for stock down, correct? That's it for me. Heard it on the sidelines. What'd you hear? So Brian Ellis explaining why Matt Fink actually is number two on the depth chart rather than Jack Sears. Now, Jack Sears, we all thought, was the guy that was mainly competing with JT Daniels. Yeah. But he ends up third on the depth chart. A little confusing. You know, a lot of people, that was something that caught people's eye. And I uh, asked Brian Ellis, you know, what, what it was about it. And he said Matt was a little further along in the offense. So it sounds like Jack Sears still having a little uh, concerns with the playbook is what, what is the issue there. So right now, Matt Fink is listed as the backup to JT Daniels if anything happens to him or if they need to switch quarterbacks for whatever. We'll see who they put in. You know, hopefully they're blowing out UNLV. And, you know, I, I think that's what's going to happen. So I think you'll see a, a second quarterback. And if they do, who goes in? But also, if there was an injury, yeah, I think Jack Sears would be the guy that would be leading this team the, the next week. Interesting. Yeah, I would think so. I, I'm surprised about the whole playbook issue with yeah. Jack Sears. That's not something that I saw. But, you know, the way that Brian Ellis kind of worded it is like, you guys don't see everything. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes, basically. And he said that, you know, Matt's, you know, knowledge of the playbook, that type of thing, his control of the offense, that he would be able to, the, um, trying to think of the word he used you basically be able to to run the offense a little bit better so I, I think that that's why he's there right now interesting i only have one hurt on the sideline managing the offense that's ah, what he there you you'd be able there to manage you it you know like an alabama quarterback not named to attack of a little <laughs> my hurt on the sideline is just a little fun tidbit i already tweeted about it but uh during db drills clancy pendergast was was standing over there and, and elijah griffin uh they were doing they would back up and then try and catch a ball. And, and I think Elijah took his eyes off the ball and, and he he muffed it. He didn't catch it. And, and Clancy just goes, eyes on the ball, regulate. <laughs> so it was just funny. It was funny. Elijah Griffin, obviously the son of Warren G, who's yes. most famously known for regulators, who Keela did not know the initial sound piece in that song comes from Young Guns, which is actually Charlie Sheen is in that, in that song, if you did not know. Did we have a conversation about this? We did. You've already we forgotten. Win. She doesn't listen to anything I say. Oh. False, but okay. <laughs> also heard on the sidelines, I briefly talked with Liam Douglas uh, on Tuesday. He says he's nearly 300 pounds now, which is crazy. Wow. It's crazy because his parents did not let him play football until his junior year of high school. He was 217 pounds then. Wow. <laughs> so he's put on over 80 pounds, basically, in the last two years. Crazy. That is Ridiculous. You know, a very athletic guy. You know, he's a guy that, that obviously is going to be set up for a red shirt this year. He's on the scout team. He said he's really excited about, you know, the fact that he gets to go against one of the top defenses in the country, you know, week in and week out to help him get better because he's only played for two years. So I think he's a guy that two or three years down the road could be a guy that could be a stalwart uh, left or right tackle. Very athletic guy that can move his feet. Um, now he's added the weight. Kind of got to get used to that. But He's a guy that I just thought it was very interesting. We've both of us have saw him several times last year at Harvard Westlake. So uh, I just stopped and chatted with him now that we could talk to the freshman for just a quick second. But he's up to three hundred pounds nearly, so that was crazy for me. That is crazy. I uh, also Ankh Cedric Ware coming out of the tunnel yesterday. <laughs> game week, 
game week, game week. <laughs> so he's hyped up senior year. He's ready to go. I just thought that you know, it was a fun little, little uh, piece of how excited the guys are to really finally get out and get on the field. Like us, they're tired of this fall camp crap, too. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily call it fall camp crap, but sure. Well, when you're the starter, it is. <laughs> it was that, What? Like I said to where he's going to be the starter. Oh, so. I thought that was a dig at me, and then I was like, I didn't get that. And then, <laughs> yeah, you're the backup. It's okay. No, okay. Agree, disagree. You ready for this? All right, I'm ready. USC is more injured than Clay Helton is letting on. Just with the Toa Lobanon thing, and that's. I think no, you're starting the conspiracy theory there. Besides that, no, I don't. No, okay, but who I else? Mean, Austin Jackson, his ankle sprain looks to be a little bit more. He got it retaped. He's practiced. He got it retaped. Maybe he's a little, a little gimpy. Clayton he's practiced, he's practiced every hundred percent yesterday. Austin Jackson practiced every uh, competitive practice the last two weeks. So I'm just saying he had a lot of tape on his ankle. Oh. Josh follow. I'm okay. just saying. Okay. Maybe, no, maybe it's, it's just less. Keely conspiracy time. I, I think it's less because you have guys that have been out for forever. Oluwole Batiku, Solomon uh, Tulia Pupu, which the, uh, Daniel Lamorta Bebe, the all name team, obviously. <laughs> Apparently, if you have a really good name, you're you're in trouble as far as injuries. But you have guys like you know Austin Apple with mono and stuff. But there's only been a couple of guys that kind of that are new injuries and stuff to follow. You know, uh, Jordan Austin had a pectoral strain as well on Tuesday, but he was back on Wednesday. Liam Jimmins with a turf toe that was kind of interesting because he practiced all last week. Yeah. So you know he had turf toe and missed some practices the week before. He's out. He's he's already been ruled out for the game. And then also the one that was actually the most confusing to me was Palaie Nantiote. Yep. So he had meniscus surgery two weeks ago, I believe now, or on Monday was two weeks ago. Um, so two and a half week ago, weeks ago, he's been wearing a sleeve on his knee and stuff, but he came out in a boot I know. on his ankle or on his foot. So on his left foot. Isn't that I don't weird? know if he did something else or that's the next step in his recovery because you never saw poor Augusta with a boot after his meniscus surgery. That's a Thursday Clay Helton question for sure. Um, yeah, I guess so. I guess maybe I'm reading into it a little bit more. I just felt like by the end of Wednesday, it seemed a little bit banged up. Two new injuries this week. That's it. Toa and Josh Follow. And you've got uh, multiple guys back, too. So, Yeah, okay. Maybe. Maybe. Next. Um, the Trojans' offensive line will be the key to this season's success. Yes, definitely. Agree with that. You know, they got to protect a young quarterback and create some running lanes for those three running backs. Amon Ross St. Brown will finish second in receiving yards by the end of the season. Ooh, that's a good question. I'm going to say yes, and I'm just going to go with history here because of Michael Pittman's injury history. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm a little concerned that. about. That now he's just had some he's had some hand issues as far as like he's broken broken a bone in his thumb. I think it was you know just he's been banged Shoulder, up, sprain. Yeah, so. Hopefully this doesn't happen. We always want everyone to be as healthy as possible throughout the the entirety of a season and let the competition play out. But I'm just going to go with that, so I'm going to say he does finish second. Interesting. So you're leaning more on the side of because of an injury versus just he yeah, gets targeted I, I mean, more. your top three targets are going to be those two guys, guys and Tyler Bonds. I don't think any of the other receivers are going to be close to, to being. I think it's going to be a, a, a big separation. Like the, the closest next guy might have 200 yards. At, at max, at max, really, and those guys will be up above five hundred each. Yeah, I guess so. That's my prediction. Okay, this season will be more fun than if Sam Darnold returned. Hmm. From a covering perspective, from a development perspective, 
No, because Sam Darnold returns. I think he got college football playoff aspirations and could happen. Uh, with JT, like I, I've I've continued to say, I think they go three and two in the first five games. We'll see. I've already said I'll jump on the bandwagon, the national uh, championship contender bandwagon if they're five and zero. Oh. But I think they start at three and two, so that puts you out of the playoff hunt. Whereas with Sam Darnold, I think they're at least four and one, I'm still in it. Interesting. What does JT gets USC to four and one? Where do you stand on the bandwagon? <laughs> I, I will I'm not going to that. Till we get to it. Okay. I'm on the five and zero. I'm on the three and two. I'm not going to the four and one yet. Okay, yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Um, I'm going to disagree with you, and I think the season is more fun than if Sam Darnold returned. I I think the personalities are more interesting. I think it's more interesting to see, just from a per, like a development perspective, what is JT going to do? Amon Ross St. Brown is interesting. There's know. a lot of development things that are interesting. However, there's no Chris Hawkins, so it can't be more fun. That's true. Shout out to Chris Hawkins. <laughs> um, uh, last one. It's kind of like a question slash topic okay. of discussion. Uh, is there a fallacy with USC fans thinking that they want USC to blow out UNLV, but they also want rotation of younger players? Are you going to get both? Well, if you blow them out, then you get all the backups in, in that regard. And do you want rotations early? Is that what you're saying? I guess so, yeah. And then if you have rotations early, then someone makes a mistake and yeah. you're worried. Yeah, see. Or or you put them in and then sun, suddenly by the end of the game, the, the score is a little bit closer. You know? I just think they're going to beat up on UNLV anyways. Yeah. I know. I just do not think UNLV is very good. Now, I could be completely wrong. I could think that uh, Coach Sanchez does a really good job, did a really good job building the Gorman program into what it was. And you've seen that even after you know his brother take took over – that it hasn't been quite the same as it was when he was the head coach. So I think that shows a little bit about him as well. And I think he'll build up that UNLV program, but I just don't think they have the playmakers uh, that can give USC a big challenge. What percentage of run versus pass do you think we'll see? 68% run versus 32 Very specific. Pass. I don't know. 64. 64 actually sounds pretty legit. 64% to 36 run past USC. That makes sense. I could go with that. I think the first drive is going to just be handoff, handoff, handoff. One throw. I'd go play action first play. Okay. New quarterback. Let's see what you got. I just Yeah, I want just a bomb to Amon Ross St. Brown, but that's never going to happen on yeah, the first play. It doesn't have play. to be to Amon, but I just, I just want Clay Helton. Hey, Bubba. <laughs> We're just going to air it out the first play. That turned into a little bit of an Ed Orgeron. I don't know <laughs> I how that to happened. Say, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just curious, uh, which kind of leads us into our question segment. With predictions. Uh, also, shout out to everyone who emailed us. Thanks to David Stanton for your nice email. He didn't ask a question. Uh, we got an email from Jackson in Virginia who gave us some, uh, peppered us with some questions, uh, predictions for the season and the game. Uh, he also put his answer so we can discuss what we think as well. He says, which USC player scores the first touchdown? Which we've talked about at length. This has been a discussion. I actually went out of the box and said Iman Marshall with a pick six. Uh, if I stay in the box, I'm saying Stephen Carr finishes off a drive. Interesting. I think I think Sed's gonna finish off of a drive. He thinks Vi will will punch it in. All those are quite possible. You could even see. I mean, Ryan Abraham picked Tyler Petit, which is a strange pick. I think <laughs> just because of how little they've thrown the tight ends in the past. Uh, but you could also see Tyler Vaughn's obviously go up and catch a ball. Michael Pittman, Amon Ra, even Avalis Jones could take a kickoff back. You know, if he doesn't get tripped up by the kicker. Those kickers got him last year. Vellis Jones got tackled by the kicker multiple times, which should never happen. So, 
Uh, if the kickers don't get him, Bayless Jones, you know, who knows, takes it back to the house or, you know, on a, a jet sweep or something or something in the slot because he's a speedy guy and get behind the defense. It could be. I know some people have been saying throwing his name out there. That's I know. I'm, I'm actually very curious about this. So if you want to tweet me your predictions, I just want to see what you guys think. I think it's interesting. Marlon Tui Oh, Brandon Peely. Big man touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best first touchdown. That would be the best. Uh, we have a question about which running back scores the first rushing rushing touchdown, which, which I, I said said. So. I said Stephen Carr. You know, you might finish off a drive. You might also take 152 yards. Which player scores the first receiving touchdown? He says Michael Pittman. Tyler Vons. Tyler Vons, I believe. Uh, which UFC player has the first sack? He thinks Jay Tefele. No, I don't think it's Jay Tefele because I think they'll get a sack on the first two drives, which I think will still be the veterans in at that time. I'm going to go with uh, Porter Gustin. I was thinking that too. Port- Welcome back to the Coliseum, Porter Gustin. I mean, how good was he the, that first half against Texas? I think he had two sacks in that, so I think you know he has a possibility of being the guy to get one. Uh, if you want to go a little out the box, I would go Kanaya Munga. Oh, maybe Christian Rector? Could be. Maybe. A lot of those guys could. And it just depends on what the other defense linemen do to help collapse the yeah. pocket. It's oftentimes more than just what you do. Also a testament to the talent on the defensive line that we're throwing so many names out there. A lot there. of guys. Um, is there an interception and who nabs it? Iman Marshall, pick six. I think Ajayne. Ajayne has had the hot hands in, in fall camp, so. Sure. I don't know. Over under, 40 rushes total for the running backs. I would have to look back at the stats on this. I, I think they're all, all three of the guys are going to get 8 to 15 touches somewhere in there, so it's going to be close. I don't know how that fits with my 64% rushing. <laughs> so, so much math. Yeah, a lot of math going on here. Uh, you know, if they run 80 plays versus if they run 60 plays, I'm going to go with 38. So you're taking the under? Taking the under. I'm going to take the over just for okay. fun. Somebody uh, chart this for us. Yeah, someone, Jackson, you can pay attention to us and give us an email. Uh, he says over, he hopes. And then finally, agree, disagree, USC will score at least 40 points against UNLV. Agree, because I got them at 42. My prediction was 42-14. Sticking to it. And I'm terrible with predictions, so that might not be good news for USC. Uh, we also have a late question text sent in from RA, which sounds like Ryan Abraham. Does USC keep its home winning streak going all season? All season, yes. I think we, we discussed this last pod, yeah? I don't I'm not think sure. so, but yes, because I don't see anybody on that schedule that really scares you at all at home. It's a Maybe. Bad, it's actually a bad slate as it far is. as for it fans is. and stuff, which I guess kind of fits in with it being a crappy construction year. <laughs> yeah. uh, but all your your best games are on the road. Yeah, at Stanford, at Texas, at Utah, those, those are basically going to determine how USC's season plays out. Uh, the one you got to be concerned with is Notre Dame at the end of the season. I was about to say maybe Notre Dame, but the weird thing is I feel like Notre Dame's powers get zapped once they get into the Coliseum. It's a weird, like, they're a different team in South Bend than they are at the Coliseum. It's been a lot different the last two times. They even got good weather for them, uh, rainy stuff, Yeah. Uh, two years ago, and they got stomped. Yeah. That was at a Jenna Harris pick six. I was oh, right there for that one. True, true, true. Along with the Dory Jackson doing it all. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was insane. That game, wow. Leaping over kickers, taking Doing the punt returns back. Pose. He took a, when USC made a late Heisman run for a Dory, just crazy. Well, he, uh, he yeah, made but his what name I'm saying is they should have done more. You're going to hype up your man. Um, What would you consider a, su- a successful outcome for USC's first game? A blowout would be successful, obviously, but as long as you get the win and you stay healthy, that's the biggest thing. 
you get ready for the next weeks. That's the thing. Stay healthy. Win. Give JT Daniels some confidence. Win a little bit better than the Western Michigan. I know the score turned out to be fine, but that, game, that was still a tie game, I think, in the fourth uh, quarter. There were factors in there, though. Yeah, not tackling. That was the biggest factor. And Yeah, but you also... Not have, tackling. Okay, sure, yes. And not go. tackling. Okay. <laughs> they all missed tackles. Even Cam Smith, when he came in in the second half, you know, he was suspended for the first half, he missed a couple tackles, too. That was the thing. Everyone missed tackles that game, and that's why Western Michigan was in it. They're big running backs. They didn't tackle them well. I think the difference is this year, I mean... Your running back's a lot different. Western Michigan had that big dude that was, you know, breaking tackles. Lexington Thomas is uh, UNLV's top running back. He's a 5'9", 170 guy. Their quarterback now, however, is a big dude. Got to tackle him. But the physicality in, in fall camp and the way they tackled, I think they'll be much better prepared for it. You'd hope. I, hope. I hope that somehow that physicality transfers over and they actually do tackle. That would be the goal. Final question. We're going broad now. Who will be USC's toughest opponent this season? Broad or the Broad? Another good museum. I want to go to the Broad. Haven't been yet. <laughs> uh, what's the question? I just told you. Yeah, I got excited about making <laughs> a joke. <laughs> Who is USC's toughest opponent this season? Uh, Texas on the road. Yeah. Because of, of what they're, you know, Tom Herman. And yeah, there was talk last year that he basically was trying to save stuff for USC uh, because he really wanted to beat USC in the Coliseum being a Southern California guy. Uh, but I, I just think that you know that team remembers that game where they basically it circled. They it circled gave it away because Sam Darnold led them on a touchdown drive in, what, 30 seconds or whatever it was? I think the, the jump pass. Yeah, I think Stephen Mitchell Beautiful. said that uh, he's like, well, as long as he has like 14 seconds, I think we're pretty confident. <laughs> yeah, I think no, I think Sam said that. He was like, yeah. oh, is that what it was? Someone okay. asked him like, is 30 seconds like enough time? And he was like, I could have had a little less. I'm like, <laughs> okay, Sam. Sounds yeah, good. so you know they felt like they had that game won, and you know if they don't give up the the check down hell mary at the end of the first half, you know there's that USC wins on the field goal, the f- strip fumble, a lot of things where they went USC's way in that game. Uh, so Texas, I'm sure you know, they they got a very veteran two deep, a lot of juniors and seniors on their two deep. Uh, so it's a tough place to play going to Austin. You know, I think it's going to be a really fun environment for us to go cover a game at. Um, and I think it's going to be really tough for USC to win on the road there. Yeah, I think it will be a sign of growth, both from the coaching staff and the team, if they can go into a hostile environment on the road and actually do something. <laughs> yeah. Not get blown out, because that seems to be the pattern as far as big matchups. Except for Washington. When they okay. well, yeah, but <laughs> okay, but whatever. Uh, before we go, announcements. One, if you are listening to this before Friday at 3 p.m., you can see us a meet and greet at USC. Uh, we will be there before the jock rally. You can meet us. Uh, you can mess with Shotgun about Stock Neutral because Stock, ne- Stock Neutral Nation is out there. We almost went a whole podcast nope. without you bringing up this. Nope, got to mention it. Oh, I think someone, Jackson also said Team Stock Neutral. So shout out to Jackson in Virginia. He did in his email. I swear. I'll post the receipts. Uh, also, final thing. Um, you can email us at familyfood at familyfoodpod at gmail.com. There's another announcement that I need to make that I can't. Oh, Sunday, Facebook Live. We will have Tunnel Vision, our show. We'll be recapping the the game, talking about it, kind of a longer uh, analysis of the game. So that'll be fun. Check that out. We got all this content. So much content. Lots of content. So make sure you send us your questions, your stock up, stock down at familyfeudpod at gmail.com. Questions, comments, agree, disagree, all that stuff. Send it in. Uh, be like Jackson and uh, yeah, you know, get on the show. Jackson. Yeah, thanks, Jackson. Uh, and yeah, okay. So we have football this weekend. We're excited. 
Thanks for listening to our podcast. Keely we'll sounds excited. We're excited. We're just so excited. I'm so excited. Okay, uh, we'll see you I'm next so week. I'm so excited. Yeah, look, we even got an 80s song in, mixed into the mix. Good job. <laughs> this is a successful podcast now. We can end it here. Okay, sounds good. We'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>